All right, so this will be episode two of Urban Myers, his analysis on third and long. Uh, we already talked about the three phases of football. We talked a little bit about special teams, and we talked a little bit about defense and offense. So this will be episode two, where he talk about third and long and how to counteract and how to actually expose good defenses and things like that. Let's listen in to Urban and on his thoughts on third and long and beyond. Let's go. Where it gets even louder. Let's talk third and long. Okay, mm-hmm. both teams are going to be faced with third and long situations in this game. There's no doubt. True. And their success in these situations may be the difference in the game. Look if it's the third and long or extra long, right. tw- two out of ten times, maybe you'll get that c- executed. So I had a theory about third and long, extra long. I want to share it with our team. Stay out of it. <laughs> You're not going to. That's very hard to execute. True. So as Michigan and Penn State in game planning, how many times will they face, let's go third and extra long first? Third and extra long, that's 10 plus, right. two times a game. So you would need four plays that you can call in that scenario. Okay. So in actuality, third and extra long, that's anywhere between like third and 12, third and 14, third and 22. So what he's saying is that in a particular game, you have to game plan at least four plays that would extend third and extra long. So I I love his analogy on this. And especially uh, it's all about field positioning as well. You don't want to get into a habit of being so predictable and watch how he uncover (laughs) this play altogether. Okay. Once again, if you're calling it four times, you're probably losing that game. Third and long is legit. That's seven to 10 you'd have four of those opportunities. That means you need six good calls in practice. What about the kind of routes that, that you would you would run in yes. those situations? Yes, Does indeed. it change? It's ob- it obviously would be different than the first and 10 route, right? Now, there's going to be some fans that want to swing at me when I say this. <laughs> there's always been some fans that wanted to swing at you. Go on. Yeah. You had a few, too. <laughs> so when I hear comments, and even media people, or even someone would say, why did you run? It's third down and 10. Run all your routes at 10 yards. And I look right. at them like they got six heads. You've obviously never been in that scenario, that situation. First of all, the defense knows you're going to do that. True. If you're facing a good defense, which these two defenses are, are not good, they're very good. Don Brown's defense, you do mm-hmm. not want to be dropping back and sitting there for three seconds and trying to complete balls downfield. True. Okay, so we would run shorter routes or I'd run the quarterback. Run I am the quarterback. not going to drop back because here's a fact, too. Hey, before we go into that, I love the fact that he said, hey, run the quarterback. He's not afraid to get the quarterback out in space and run the quarterback. We've seen so many years of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm talking about my beloved team now. Of course, we all bleed silver and blue. But we see so many times that they try to protect the quarterback from running. When in actuality, it'd probably be best to run. Hit the team by surprise. And that's what I love to see from this, uh, his analysis on third and long. Let's listen to some more. When you're in a hostile environment, mm-hmm. the whiteout is as tough a place as a play in America. You know the two things that I've proven myself that brings the stadium unglued? Right. A sack and a block punt. Don't want those two. How do you deal with the cadence <laughs> in the stadium like Penn State during the way out? So I'm a left tackle. Hardest position yeah. to play in third down, especially against Rashawn Gary's and Winovich's and the, you know, the excellent defensive ends that are Chase Young's, you know, those right. guys. Imagine those guys. First of all, they don't know the they snap nasty. count or they know there's no snap count. Right. You're sitting there and I have to either hold hands or I'm watching that center's head and I got to block that guy, a first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. To me, that's, 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 almost, that's not fair. Basically, what you're doing, you're telling this offense lineman, I'm going to block a first-round draft pick that's a much better athlete than I am. I'm going to have to watch the center 
And I used to, we used to say, peripheral the ball, watch the ball, but also watching him. As I'm saying, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? <laughs> this guy has no chance. And I think, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, how unfair that was for all these But I'm not sure what else you do. Here's what you do, right. stay out third and long. <laughs> but <laughs> stay think about out of once it. again, you're sitting here, and the guy's already upfield. I mean, it's, a, it's really a no-win situation. I've watched a lot of video of both those teams. Both defenses are far superior to both offenses. It's going to be a defensive game. Oh, no doubt. No Everybody doubt. says keep the offense off schedule, which is true. Right. You want to keep. I like that when you're in those games, you've got to keep the defense off schedule. How do you do that? On third and long, run the ball. On third and short, throw the throw ball. The ball. <laughs> keep teams off balance. Don't play into their teeth. The thing that uh, the Wolverine defense at Penn State, they would like nothing more than you run, run, pass. If you get in that flow, which we've all been there, you've been there, I've been there, that's, that's not a good feeling on the sideline. When you control them by keeping them off balance, by throwing when you're not usually throwing, that's how to neutralize a great defense. All right, so that's what he's talking about, how to neutralize a great defense is keeping them on their heels. Not not saying that necessarily you're going to always throw it on third and short and you're always going to run it when you're third and long, but he's just saying that uh, you have to figure out ways to manipulate the situation. This will be the episode two. We will conclude over there to episode three. I really appreciate you all. Don't forget to hit that like button, share this content. I'm going to try to squeeze both episodes in one. So I really appreciate you all. Don't forget to hit that like button, share this content. Let a friend, neighbor, foe know where to go when they want to tune in to Sports Talking Beyond. Let's go. All right, in episode three, we're going to go over Urban Meyer's uh, thought track on explosive plays, analysis, and everything like that. We want to see how he crafts up explosive plays opposed to just relying on the said player's talent. We already know that talent is one thing, but you have to be able to craft that talent and being able to put these players in the right positions. So we're going to listen to Urban Meyer and his analysis on explosive plays and beyond. All right, so let's listen in. Really appreciate you all. Thank you all for tuning in to the nation. Really favors Ohio State is their explosive pass game. They're very talented at the receiver, as you know. But Justin Fields has seen a bunch of coverages. More impressive, he's seen a bunch of pressure. Right. And he's oblivious to pressure. Right. And he'll get pressured by Wisconsin, right. especially with their linebacker scheme. So let's take a look at some of their explosive plays against Michigan from their last game. All right, Jerry, this is the game within the game for the viewer. And game Iowa within the game. And a good job with this as well. When you see people going in motion, I think it's really important to understand why they're going in motion. And we would say this is to gather information for the quarterback. Mm -hmm. That's the only True. reason you send a person in motion. Right. And you can see 17, Chris Olave go in motion. Everybody on the planet now knows it's zone cover. Right. Because no one went mm -hmm. with them. Right. They stayed stationary out here. So it's very simple. So right now, Justin Fields has made the decision where to throw the ball. So you're actually going to see him on the drop here. He looks to his left. Freeze. Why is he looking Hold to him. his left? He's trying to hold this safety yes. right here. Right. So he looks to the left, then he resets his feet. And this is just poorly played by the Wolverine defense. I mean, mm. this is not some unique scheme and a great throw and catch. Coach, this is a little unusual. It, it's second and 19. It, it looks like and turns out to be pressure. W what happens here? Well, it's a five-man pressure, which is they're known for that. What's really hard to believe is that they're on the same level. That's Who's right. on the same level? The linebacker, the number linebacker seven, and the, and the cornerback. Yeah. And Ohio State's known for their crossing routes. You're in man-free with the blitzer. That means there's no help anywhere. And the second and 19. So you can see this is, I believe it's Wilson. 
It is. For Ohio State comes across, mm -hmm. and it's a this is not even hard. Isn't this a route that got people out of this coverage? Absolutely. It's one fire and second and 19. So here's the mindset of an offensive coach, second and 19. Get a good chunk of it back. Right. Don't Eat try to back. throw it down the field. Right. So you're going to run a crosser route, your option routes, those type of things. And it's surprising to me that they would, you know, especially when they were hurt so bad last year against this. But a second and 19, and mm -hmm. my goodness, that's a game changer. Second and 19, right. you get a big hit. Yeah, so on second and 19, they squeeze a, a pretty much a smoke route or a drag route across the middle there, and you're able to see the receiver get yak. Should the quarterback be able to throw those passes? Yes, especially on second and 19. And that's not a, a, a difficult pass to throw, especially across the middle. Now, I will say that that is on a college level or collegiate level, however you want to say it. However, when you look at these small nuances of the game, this will actually help you out in the long run because you're trying to get back a chunks of yards, explosive plays on the second and 19. Remember the screen passes, the toss sweeps, and things like that. A lot of times, we didn't see those type of plays until halfway throughout the season. What I'm trying to say is that we have to use every tool that we have, and not just some. And we have an explosive guys like the Tony Pollard's of the world who can take those little dump off passes, swirt, squeeze, and get upfield and make things happen. However, we don't exploit and use all of our weapons against our opposition. So we need to better suit ourselves in the future to be able to use our explosive weapons so that we can benefit from those things. Let's go. Let's listen to some more. Coach, I had a hard time figuring out exactly what this is. Explain it to me. Good offenses are going to try to gather as much information as they can True. for the quarterback. And he's the only guy that really matters on this. So they notice this is the tight end, right? Uh -huh. Okay. And if a corner was out here, it would be zone coverage. Mm -hmm. If the corners are over here, it's man coverage. Man. So I, yeah. right now the quarterback knows the coverage. Okay, this is a fake screen and go. So they're going to fake the tunnel screen, mm. and he's going to come out, they're going to block, and they're going to release up the field. Wolverines are in man coverage. Right. Yet this corner just blows the coverage. He's got Austin Mack man-to-man. -man. So here, take a look at it. Fake the screen to Austin Mack. Yeah. And Ben Victor and K.J. Hill are going to release. And as a result, watch the corner up top. The corner has Austin Mack, turns him loose, and Justin Fields obviously does a heck of a job. Look at him stay in there, too, when he gets mm. pressured. He constantly Gave him a little shoulder. He just hangs love. in there, man. <laughs> you say that about Justin. I remember last year I asked Dwayne Haskins because I thought that he did the same thing a lot. Mm -hmm. And you know what he told me? What? He said, when you have Bosa and Young and everybody come, <laughs> even though they're not allowed to hit you at practice, he says right. you actually get used to keeping the your eyes down. I've heard yeah. that before. Even, even though, even though they're, he the knows they're not allowed to hit you. So it, it, it has something to do with the seeing way it every day in practice. Yeah, seeing it every day in practice. Seeing it every day in practice. And believe me, after having Bosa, Bosa, Young, Sam Hubbard, Jalen Holmes, Tyquan Lewis, I've stood back there with a whistle many times and blown <laughs> it quickly. <laughs> sure. To reinforce that you're not allowed to hit quarterback, the quarterback is not lying. Put him in another color jersey. <laughs> Coach, you said this is one of your favorite plays of the game. Why? Ohio Thinking. State is going to act like they're changing the play. And they knew that the Wolverine, it's called check-check. So when you fake like you're right. going to play, everybody looks at the sideline. What does the defense do? They look at the sideline, too, and are waiting for the change of the call. Right. And a lot mm -hmm. of times, if Ohio State knows a defense coordinator is going to, you know, take his time to see what you're in and et cetera, right. snap the ball fast. For the viewer, everybody watch two people for it. Watch the quarterback. Look so at the quarterback. The quarterback look at him. Now, <laughs> act like he's looking, and then snap the ball real fast. Okay. So watch the offense line. The offense line knows they're going to snap the ball on the clap. 
Look at the defense for the Wolverines. They're all on one knee. They're all looking over here. <laughs> now watch Chris Olave. What a great actor he's down here. So he stands up. Clap. He's gone. That's unbelievable. Now, I've never seen him drop a deep ball. He drops this. The wind was... Uh, uh, don't blame no, it on the wind. No, no wind. Okay. <laughs> Trying to help you, Chris. Hit him in a darn face mask. <laughs> Not allowing his players to slide. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, hey, football is a game of inches, and you have to be able to understand each and every small part of the game in order to get that edge. And that's what he was breaking down. And this team, the Dallas Cowboys, going back to us... I despise and I really, really refute the fact that when people say, well, this team don't have the talent. <laughs> it's nothing to do with talent level. For those who like experience and skilled, and I do know that this is a game. This is a game. I'm talking about Madden. When you get to a level on Madden, you can say playing against an opposing player, as long as you know the game, you can say pick me any team. Pick me any team, and I will be able to at least put up money on the board. Now, I do know that talent speaks volumes, and I do know that real life is not Madden. I will never try to compare the two. However, I just compare the two as it relates to coaching. Coaches look at it this way. Coaches look at talent, and they look at skill set, and they say, we elevating. We cultivating. We're going to figure out how we can make a B player, an A player, a C player, a B player, or a C player, a, a A player, or what have you. An F player, a D player, or a C player, you see. So that's the level of coaching. That's the level of philosophy of life. Coaches want to be able to elevate. Some players just don't understand, and if they're not able to grow within the system, that's when coaches should be able to stand up and say, with this particular player skill set, you're off my team. I'm trading you. I'm getting rid of you. You don't fit my system. Now, I don't know whether or not Jason Garrett have that longitude and latitude. Somebody can say that he don't. However, at the end of the day, you have to be able to say to yourself and say to the, to the other contemporaries as it relates to the coaching staff, I need pieces that can pick up my particular system because this player is not. Regardless of who Jerry Jones is, Jason Garrett or whoever the positioning coaches that's out there for the Dallas Cowboys must be able to exhibit that type of leadership. And when everything is said of being that I refuse to release this player because of this and that, then that coach should be able to stand boldly and say, hey, remember, this is the guy you wanted. <laughs> and I told you that he is not coachable. So that's how this thing should go all the way out. I don't know. <laughs> you guys, let me know how you all feel. Post me your thoughts. Post me your concerns down below. Uh, please leave a list of other coaches you would like for me to do quick analysis on and quick insights on and give my uh, input on in these sorts of things. Post them down below and I'll try to find their content and push it out there to the world. That's been my time. I really thank you all for yours. And remember, you're listening to nothing but the best. Salute.